Together on Easter, happy Easter, everybody! Uh, there is going to be a uh, Easter egg hunt. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, teens, you don't get to participate. It's just for the little guys. Sorry about that, teens. So, campus as well. You guys could do your own, maybe. So, uh, let me tell you where the Easter egg hunt is. So, all the parents, listen to this. So, as soon as the service is over, this is going to happen. Okay. So, for the twos and threes and babies. The Easter egg hunt, I don't know how babies hunt for Easter eggs, but somehow they do, with parent, parental help. That will be over on this side. And then for kindergarten, first grade, and second grade, the Easter egg hunt will be over there on that side, okay? Third grade, you're out of luck. Sorry, guys. You've aged out. All right, so... Um, we're going we're gonna to look into the, uh, the book of John. We're going to get where we got this idea of having Easter on the beach from the book of John, John chapter 21. So if you can go ahead and be turning over there in your Bible. Uh, there was a, uh, just, just to give you a little, I thought for Easter we'd start off with a little uh, a bunny story. And, uh, you know, there was this story circulating on the Internet for a while. Um, what happened was this guy, uh, he woke up one morning early. His dog was messing around in, in, his, uh, in his yard, uh, and he, he kind of disturbing, you know, kind of woke him up. And then he, it was on a Sunday morning. His dog wakes him up. It's probably about this time. And uh, he realizes his dog is, is playing with a rabbit that is now deceased. And the rabbit is just covered in dirt and slobber and the dog, you know. But what he was struck with horror because he realized this is the bunny, this is Peter Cottontail from the neighbors next door. And the neighbors next door are this elderly couple. They love the little bunny, Peter Cottontail. He's a special part of their life. So the guy's like, oh my gosh. And so he realizes, he he's, he's comes up with a strategy. He realizes that the older couple is gone at church. This is Sunday morning. They're gone at church. And... Um, He's not at church. I don't know whether he's a Christian or not, but he's not at church. So he, he, he comes up with a strategy. So he, he, he takes the bunny. He cleans the bunny off, uh, washes all the dirt off and the dog slobber. He blows, blow dries the bunny, gets it looking really great, and he puts, it, he puts it back into the rabbit hutch of the neighbors. And then he thinks, at least they won't blame my dog because he had this Rottweiler that didn't have a great reputation in the neighborhood. And he was afraid that, you know, it, w it was not going to go well with the neighbors. So, so then he's kind of watching to see what happens. And so the neighbor, the, these elderly couple, they get home from, uh, from, from church. And they, they go to the rabbit hutch. And the, the woman starts screaming. And she's like, ah! She goes, Henry, when Peter Cottontail died, I watched you bury him. And now he's back in the hutch. And he's white as snow. It's a miracle! So, the point of that story is that resurrection gets attention. And we really believe, we're here today because we really believe Jesus actually did raise from the dead. And, and, and he appeared to people, and that, that had to have been such an amazing thing. And what the resurrection means is that everything Jesus said was true. Before that, some people didn't believe him. Even his own brother didn't believe in him. But after he rose from the dead, his brother became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. That's the amount of impact it had. Just think about that. If you watch somebody die, and when the Romans kill somebody, they're really dead. 
a lot of people think it, it was uncommon even to be to be flogged and crucified because usually flogging was was enough and so they think maybe it was just because the Jews wouldn't be satisfied that the leaders of the of the Jewish church wouldn't be satisfied so they had him crucified after he was flogged I mean Jesus went through a lot if you study it out he absolutely was dead and yet three days later Sunday morning he appears to his followers and that's why we're that's why we worship every Sunday for 2,000 years ever since it's because that's the day that they saw him and so we're going to look at a story where Jesus hangs out with his followers on the beach and has breakfast together uh, in John 20. So go ahead and turn over there with me if you would. The story we're going to talk about is actually John 21, but we're going to back up a little bit and look at chapter 20, starting in verse 19. So I've got three points uh, for us today from the scripture, what resurrection means for us. Number one, we're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. you got to say that some people are old enough to remember the Blues Brothers, right? So you got to say, we're on a mission from Gat. We're on a mission from Gat. I don't even remember what, I mean, I know they were doing a concert in Chicago, but I don't know why they had so much authority. But, but we're really on a mission from God. Okay, verse 19, it says, On that evening, that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus uh, appears to his, his disciples. He had seen some of the women earlier that day. He'd seen Peter and John that day. But then now it's the evening of that first Sunday, that first Easter. It's the evening, and they're together, and the doors are locked because they're afraid of persecution. And suddenly Jesus appears there. That had to have been pretty amazing. Jesus we believe, had a resurrection body. So, you know, he, Jesus says that we will be like the angels. When we are resurrected, we will be like the angels. And, you know, those if you're familiar with angel stories in the Bible, a lot of times they appear like a human, but then they'll be gone. You know, and then they'll be... The, so somehow it's, it's like they're, from another, they're able to transcend our dimension. So Jesus is able to just suddenly be there, but he's not just this ghost because in, in one of the other Gospels it says he eats, eats, eats with them. And he says, put your hand hear and feel, you know, I'm not a ghost. So Jesus really rose from the dead, but he had this resurrection body that's promised to all of us someday. That had to have been pretty amazing. It says they were overjoyed. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So Jesus says, I am sending you just like I came into the world from God. And so when you see me, you see God. I'm sending you. So now when people see you, they see me. You're on a mission from me. And so when people see you, you're my representative. Now, that, that's amazing. That's an incredible responsibility. And if you're visiting with us today, I got to apologize on behalf of quote-unquote Christianity. Because... Christianity as a whole has not represented Jesus well at all. And there are a lot of people that claim to be Christians that give you an excuse to never want to become a Christian, right? I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we've all been there. A lot of us, if, if you're feeling that way, like, like I, would, I would like, I like Jesus, I just don't like Christians. If, if that's you, you're at the right place, because that's the way kind of we all feel. I mean, none of us really like to be called religious. Are you with, those of us who are members of the church, I hate being called religious. Don't you hate that? I don't, I don't think of myself as religious. 
Because to me, religious means I'm, I'm trusting in these doctrines and I'm trusting in these rituals and it's all kind of this empty sort of, and it's all about an organization or it's all about an institution of church being an institution. The church in the Bible is not an institution and it's not an organization. It's more of an organism. The church is the body of, it's, it's people. It's not a, a building. We're worshiping outside today. Did you know the church didn't even have buildings the first hundred years or so? So, you know, we've come in our society where we think church, we think building. You know, when, when I tell people I'm a minister, they say, oh, what church? And I know that the, the thinking is, what building? So I'm, I'm like, oh, we meet at Maricosa High School. And there's kind of like, oh, really? You know, like, so you're not really a legit church then? <laughs> like, yeah, we have about 300 people there every Sunday. They're like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, why? why? Why do we not have a building? Because, I mean, we might have a building someday. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the church is not the building. That's just a place. The church is the people. Church is a movement. Church is people who are trying to, to follow the teachings of Jesus. So when we see Jesus, we see God. When people see us, they should see Jesus. And so, you know, we, we, we believe that his words carry weight. And uh, we're, we're going to, in fact, be starting a worship series uh, today called Red Letter Revolution. What that means is that, you know, in a lot of Bibles, Jesus' words are in red. And we believe that if you really put those teachings, I mean, so many people claim to be Christians, but so few people really know what he said. And so few people have really even read the Bible. So we're going to try to get as many other people as possible to get into the Bible with the series as possible and, and, and see, check out for themselves what the Bible really has to say. So I've asked the ushers if you guys could pass out some of those invitations right now. You can take one or take more if you want. There's enough a lot of them uh, if you want to invite other people but these are going to be going out right now you guys can pass them around right now that this is just the worship series that we're we're, we're going to be talking about about red leather revolution because we believe that christianity is more than a belief system we're looking for an authentic lifestyle that embodies the teachings of jesus so for those of you who are followers of jesus is that the way you look at yourself at your school at your job in your neighborhood like I am a representative of Christ, so that, that affects everything that I do. When people see me, they, that, that might be their only connection to know who Jesus really is. Uh, so the second point here, come with me if you want to live. Come with me if you want to live. Let's keep reading. Some of, us, some of you will recognize that quote. Who knows what that's from? Terminator. Yeah, Jameson and I, my 16-year-old and I, we were watching a movie, and uh, you know they show the preview. So there's a new Terminator that has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. He's like in his 70s, I think. Uh, but somehow, you know, he's the man. So he looks good, actually. I hope I look that good when I'm his age. But come with me if you want to know, if you want to live. Kyle Reese said that to Sarah Connors. And then it's been in every movie since then. But I thought, you know, that's really what Jesus came to tell us. Come with me if you want to live. And uh, we'll pick up where we left off, verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hand and, and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put into my side. Stop doubting 
and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, Thomas gets a bit of a bad rap. You know, even this uh, this movie I saw called The Son of God. I don't know if any of you guys saw that movie. They just didn't do it right. You know, there's a lot of things. I got a lot of problems with that movie because they didn't. I'm fine if you add to what the Bible has, like, because you're embellishing. But but if you purposely neglect things that are in the scripture, it, it really bothers me. So anyway, in this story, Thomas is right there in the room and Jesus is there and he goes, I don't believe unless I touch him. That's not what happened, right? Thomas was not there. And so it's his it's his buddies that say, we saw Jesus. And, you know, he's, I would probably be the same, wouldn't you? Like, I don't know, guys. Are you sure? I mean, maybe you just thought you saw him. I mean, you, I know you love Jesus. I know you want him to be alive. I, I believe that you even thought you saw him, you know, or whatever. But, but Thomas is just, he's not willing to, to budge. And, uh, you know, there is that saying uh, that, that uh, you know, extreme... Uh, demands require extreme evidence or something like that. It's a saying Carl Sagan said. And, and really, that, that's, that Christianity is a Christianity of following evidence. Uh, we talked about that last Easter, just all the evidence that Jesus really did raise from the dead. There's a lot of it. We're not going to talk about it today, but there's so much evidence, so much evidence that this universe was created by someone, that was designed, it was fine-tuned. Uh, you know, there's all of these parameters that are just right, and if not... Not only would we not exist, no matter would even exist. Unless all these things like the cosmological constant and all these different things, if they were just slightly different, I mean, by, by, an, by amount that we can't even fathom with our regular human brains. It's just, so scientists go, you know, this universe looks so fine-tuned for there to be life here. Well, yeah, because it was created for there to be life here. And there's even a new thing that you, you hear sometimes called the multiverse. The idea of the multiverse is that this universe is so fine-tuned for us to be here that there must be an infinite number of universes, and we just happen to be in the one that's perfect for us. That's, that's the only reason that, that idea came about is because it's so fine-tuned. So anyway, the, Christianity is following the evidence, and I think that's a good thing. And so my challenge to you, if you're if you not sure what to do with Jesus or if you believe or not, be like Thomas. Go check him out. Have a personal encounter with Jesus. I love that Jesus seeks Thomas out. And Jesus knew what he said. Jesus knew where he was at. And he, and he meets him at his level of belief. And he says, look, here is the evidence. Here, uh, Put your hands in my fingers. Put your hand in my side. And then he says, stop doubting and believe. So there is that decision to kind of, there's a jumping off point. You go, okay, I see the evidence. Now I need to stop doubting and I need to believe. And that's, for those of us who have been around a long time, that never really ends, right? We still got to make that decision every day. I got to stop doubting. I got to believe. I got to trust in God's promises. Because we get off track. We get led astray. We start to think like the world. We start to wish, you know, maybe it's not worth it being a Christian. Or we kind of get off and we got to go, okay, I got to get back to an encounter with Jesus again like Thomas had. Stop doubting and believe. So I want to challenge you to, if you're a guest today, to come to this Red Revolution, uh, Red Letter Revolution series with us. Spend time with us. Just encounter Jesus for yourself and, and make, make your own, uh, make your own uh, investigation. You know, when I moved here, I'm from Colorado. I've been here about over 20 years, so I've been here a long time, but I, I'm from Colorado. And when I moved here, I would always hear about this place called Trader Joe's. 
and, and it just kind of sounded like a kind of an uppity place, you know? People would be like, oh yeah, I, I bought it at Trader Joe's, you know? <laughs> just kind of like, eh, it sounds expensive, you know? I don't, you know, I, I don't know. And, and so I just, I mean, years went, I mean, probably a decade living here, I never went to Trader Joe's. It's probably expensive. I, you know, I'll just stick with Vons or whatever. Finally, I, sometime I went into Trader Joe's, I was like, this is awesome. Things are not that expensive. There's only like one choice of pickles instead of eight. You know, I, I, I get overwhelmed by the choices at other places. This is, I can't, and everything is good. I love this place. What was, what was holding me back? I hadn't investigated it for myself. And so if you've, if you've never really looked into Jesus' teachings, I promise you, you're going to have that same experience. You're going to be like, oh, I can't believe I missed out on this, this teaching. It's so good. It, it works. It works in my marriage. It works in my parenting. It works with my, my coworkers. Jesus' teachings are designed to be all about everyday life. It's not this ritualistic, uh, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, it's daily living that Jesus came to, to show us. So... Uh, Check it out for yourself because Jesus is here to say, come with me if you want to live. He's offering you real life. When he says, uh, that, it says right here in the scripture that, that these are here so that you may believe, these teachings are here that you may believe and that by believing you may have life. And that life, Jesus says, is life to the full. It's God wants you to live the life he designed you to live and it comes through following Jesus. All right, last point here, uh, number three, breakfast on the beach. So let's get to this story here that we're talking about. Breakfast on the beach. So skip down to chapter 21, verse 1. It says, After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, guy we just read about, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. We'll go with you. Jay, Jay Johnson was out here fishing already this morning. Caught... I'm like, did you catch anything? He's like, oh, just a shark. I had to throw it back. It was small. I'm like, if I catch anything, I'm like, I caught something. It's a little minnow, but I caught something. All right, so they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. I'm not sure why he did that. Like he didn't want to lose his coat or something, so put it on, jump in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. So Peter's swimming 100 yards with his clothes on. He's excited about seeing Jesus, right? When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to him, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is where we get our theme today, breakfast on the beach. And, and our prayer is that in an informal way, you know, you've had physical breakfast up there, but we want you to have breakfast on the beach in a spiritual way this morning. In terms of getting to know a little bit more about Jesus. And what I love about Jesus in this story is that Jesus is so relational. 
he's all about just hanging out. I mean, I don't know where he got the fish he's cooking, right? Because they land, he's already got fish cooking. So he must have been out there even earlier fishing himself. Uh, or, or maybe he just manifested the fish somehow. I don't know. But, you know, he, he's, he's barbecuing fish on the beach and hanging out with his friends. That is so relational. Um, just to, again, if you're kind of new to Christianity or, or you're a little skeptical, I, I want to tell you that it is a fact that most guys don't like church. I'm sorry to say. Uh, women are just more spiritually oriented by nature. They're, they're more relational. They're more spiritual. They're more, they get the connectedness. Guys are just like, ah, I don't know. You know, that's how most guys are, right? Guys that are members of this church, you might think, oh, they're religious guys. No, no, no. They're the same. You know, they just realize that Jesus is relational. And, and, and yet, what's more guy than barbecuing fish on the beach early in the morning? I mean, that's a guy thing right there that Jesus is doing. And that's just who Jesus is. He's, he's, he bonds with people. He's all about relationships. And a little bit later in the story, we're not going to look at it today, but it's a great story if you read it, want to read it on your own. Is he pulls Peter aside, and he, 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 he kind of sees where Peter is in their relationship, and he gives him a charge to, 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 to you know, because his love is, is not where it needs to be. and just has this individual time with Peter. That's who Jesus is. He, he, he draws people in, into a relationship with him. And so that's, that's, uh, that's what we've got to do to change the world here. That's what, how we're going to impact our community. You know, we want to, our, our church, we meet up in Maricosta High School. We're in Manhattan Beach, but we really want to start a church down here. We want to start a church in PV, Pedro. And so we're looking for people to help us, you know, just by relationships. You know, who do you know? Where could we meet? What could we do? You know, that's how the kingdom of God spreads. It's through relationships. It's, through, it's not church again. It's not a building. It's not a Sunday thing. It's, a, it's a involved in each other's lives. It's a friendship thing. And so that's why we want to have breakfast on the beach today, just to, 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 to have a relational time together. And I hope you've had a good time, because we need each other. Uh, th- there's two things that's been said you can't do alone. That's be married or be a Christian. Because you need other people around you. You can't really follow Jesus without other people. Uh, I was reminded of how much I need other people just a couple nights ago when um, I was trying to get a spoon out of the dishwasher. And um, I have, I, I'm wearing contacts right now, but I have a really strong... Uh, corrective vision, you know, problem. So I have these glasses that are really thick. Some of you guys have seen me with my glasses on. So I was wearing my glasses, and I'm trying to get a, a dish out of the dishwasher, and so I lean over, open it, but the dishes had just been run. So what happens? It's super hot in there. My, my glasses instantly fog up, and I can't see anything. So then I try to wipe them off and try to go again for a spoon. It can't, can't do it. It just instantly fog. Okay, so I'll take my glasses off, open up and then look and I'm so blind I can't tell the difference between forks and spoons and knives I I was absolutely powerless unless I try to get in there and feel with my hands I guess but so I just hey honey my lovely wife can you get me a spoon (laughs) she laughed at me you know but it just reminded me that we all are spiritually blind sometimes we all sometimes our lenses get fogged up and we just get stuck. And that's why God gives us each other. So we can have relationships with one another. So, so I hope that you don't leave today without connecting with some people. If you're, if you're visiting today, if you found us on the internet or whatever. We meet in small groups. We're going to start a new small group series with our married couples uh, soon. Uh, you know, we talk about our marriages. Everybody that's a member of the church is a part of a small group of people that we call them family groups. Because that's, that's real church. You know, the, the church for the first uh, few decades was just people meeting in homes. 
And so we do that. We meet in homes and we're involved with people. So I hope that before you leave today, you make a connection and, uh, and you're, you're able to join into a group. And for the, for the disciples, for the members of the church, just to remind you again, this is the way we're going to impact the world is through relationships, through inviting people into our lives, just like Jesus did. Come and have breakfast. That's what we got to do this year is figure out in your schedule and in your life, how can I invite more people in to come and have breakfast meet with me spiritually? Uh, we're going to take communion right now and uh, just want to kind of explain what communion is. Uh, for, since, since the time of Jesus that we just read about, people have been uh, remembering Jesus by taking bread, which symbolizes his body, and juice, which symbolizes his blood. And so we're going to do that together today. Uh, feel free to participate if you've never done before or you don't have to. Uh, but this is a time of remembering Jesus and his body and his blood. So I'm going to say a prayer for communion and remember Jesus. And then we'll have some uh, singing as we uh, take communion. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for Jesus and his body and his blood given for us. Uh, thank you that he went all the way to the cross uh, to pay for our sins and to be able to allow us to have a relationship with you, to be able to have eternal life, to be able to be with you forever. Uh, God, thank you for those of us who've, who've been baptized into Christ, you know, for what that means for us, for those of us who are just checking out Jesus. Thank you that he is uh, so worthy of, of all the glory we give him. And, and I know if anybody just checks him out, they're going to be amazed at what a man he was. And thank you for this time to remember him and what he did for us. Bless this time of meditation. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.